and if you haven't heard that, I encourage you to hear it, about not being reliant on self, because it's an easy pattern for us to fall into, isn't it, when we, we get busy and we start to rely on our own reserves, trying to, uh, to do everything in our own strength, and reminded us, it was a good timely reminder to rely on Jesus, especially, you know, we're in a busy season, who finds the Christmas season busy? Just me? Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? It was also a really good reminder in the context of what Russ has been teaching over the last few weeks as well. Russ has been talking about healing and deliverance, and newsflash, you can't do that in your own strength. It happens because of Jesus. We have to rely on him. Now, we don't make it happen. We can't do it, but we do get to be part of it, part of the release of the supernatural. We have a part to play, which is why when you read through Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians, it, it explains how to function appropriately in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So Chapter 12 is all about how do we do this? How do we partner with the Holy Spirit? How do we pray for healing or, or prophesy over people or see deliverance happen? How does that function uh, with us and God and with us in the body? And I love the way that that chapter finishes. In verse 31, it says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet, wait, stop! I want to show you something even better. And who knows what comes next? Yeah, love. It's the chapter 13, love chapter. And, um, you know, we'll probably be hearing some of that this afternoon at a wedding. It's the one that gets pulled out at every wedding. Yeah. Uh, Chloe and Dylan getting married this afternoon. And um, it's... it's heard at weddings because it's all about love but let me tell you in context is uh, Paul has has just spent this time writing all about how do we operate supernaturally what does it look like how does it function but wait because if you don't do it without love <laughs> annoying it's what it says in the word. It says it's like a clanging symbol if you don't have love in what you're doing. So it's just a waste of time. That was my illustration for the day. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you're all awake. Because healing and deliverance and all of that supernatural stuff is designed to be an expression of God's love to the world. It's him made manifest to humanity. And guess what? He is love. And so if we don't do it with love, he's not being accurately made manifest, accurately represented. It's not for us to look good. Because <laughs> it's not about us. It's for him to be known. And so I thought I would talk about love today because I'm going to do a Christmas message. I thought it's close enough to Christmas. We're a week away. I get to do a Christmas message. I've never done a Christmas message before. 
It's hard to say those two words. Say that ten times fast. Christmas message, Christmas message, Christmas message. So let's turn to, um, to Luke chapter 2. And let's read about the shepherds. Um, somebody prayed that this morning in the prayer meeting. So that was encouraging. So, so just to set the scene, I'll give you some context. Jesus has been born and, uh, and then we, the scene cuts to this new scene. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I love that passage because you can imagine there's this angel, like the, the, the shepherds were terrified. They're like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? And the angel's like, It's all right, just chill out, stand up. And he tells them the stuff, and then boom, there's this multitude of angels. A spontaneous worship service out there in the paddock. And um, I looked up multitude because I thought, oh, how many is that? That was like five guys. Multitude, according to Wikipedia, is at least 100, but more than 100. But according to Jewish tradition, it's around 10,000. And in fact, in Revelation, we see the multitude described as 10,000 times 10,000. Who knows what, how much that is? Anyone? Any accountants in the room? Steve? <laughs> Hundred million. Anyway, I'm getting off track. There's a lot, of, a lot of angels. And they all show up and they're singing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. Now, can we just put that verse up, Tony? Verse 14. I just wanted to play around a little bit with it because uh, in case you're not aware, commas weren't in the original translation of the Bible. So, so let's read it as glory to God in the highest and on earth. Because guess what happened? God came down. He's not just in the heavenlies anymore. God came down. He's just been born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace and goodwill toward men. See, these angels were not just singing a worship song. There was a prophetic declaration that they were saying in that moment. They were declaring what the truth is in the heavenlies. That God's come down for our benefit. To declare God's peace. Who would enjoy peace in the lead up to Christmas? I know I would. That's why I really enjoyed the, the sermon last week. I thought it was very timely. 
Let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. That means he carries the kingdom of God. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so that's why we say at Christmas time, love came down. For unto us a child was born. It was the moment that God the Father decided to be fully revealed to all of humanity. That was his moment. Because God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us. So how did God reveal his love? That God had sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That was the ultimate gesture of love, was sending Jesus to us so that we may receive love. In, in this is love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which is a fancy word that means atonement, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. If we don't receive God's love or we don't know how to receive God's love, it's hard for us to love one another. The way it works is we receive the love of God and then we are motivated to love one another because of his love in us. And that's important because that love that we have for one another is actually our identity in the world. Let me explain. John 13, 35. By this... All will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this, all, as in all, everyone on the planet, will know that you are my disciples, that we follow Jesus because of how much we love one another. And that's the reason why the devil tries to cause so much division in the church. And I'm sure you've, you've seen that happen. Because he wants to discredit us to the world. So if you don't love one another, try harder. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. You need to listen to Kate's sermon last week. We don't increase our love for one another by trying harder, but by receiving and experiencing more of his love. 
because it's in the experience and the receiving of his love that we are compelled to love one another. So what does it mean to experience the love of God? Well, I've got three points here. They don't start with the same letter, sorry. I know, I tried this morning, but I was running late. So, (laughs) first point, God's love is active. And this is a hard point to grasp if you have grown up with maybe um, love that maybe was absent or unemotional. Maybe a father that was unemotional or sort of absent, wasn't connected to his feelings, whatever. And so sometimes it's hard for us to understand that God the Father is not just loving us quietly from the corner. It's like, yes, I love you, and you can tell I love you because I haven't struck you with lightning, so obviously I love you, right? And no, no, no. His love is active towards us. In fact, there's this, there's this sense that he is actively looking for ways... To love us. If you have a look at um, Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. Now listen to this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you (laughs) with singing. Excuse me, I was too slow to get to the mute button. I, look, this is, this is the reason I don't like the Britney Spears mic, because I, I burp when I get nervous, all right? Just so you know, I like to have the handheld and I can hold it away. Anyway, it's out there now, right. Can we mute that from the recording? Thanks, Tim. <laughs> uh, lost the impact of it now. Okay, so he will rejoice over you with singing. The word rejoice is also translated elsewhere in the Bible as joy. uh, And it contains the suggestion, the word gil, G-I-L, contains the suggestion of dancing for joy. Like it's a joy that's expressive. Leaping for joy. The verb originally meant to spin around with intense motion. Like there's this sense that there's, this, there's just this passion in God the Father toward us that, that is expressive and not reserved. And he's looking for ways to reveal his love to you. And it's my belief that The only reason we don't see it in our life is because we aren't aware and we're not looking. But if we start looking to see, with eyes to see, we start seeing the ways that he is revealing his love to us. He's actively loving us. Second point, God's love is secure. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Anything left? No, that's all. That's everything, right? Every atom on the planet shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this verse because it just... 
It's such a good example. He does not withhold his love. It's available to us all the time, at any time. I sometimes picture it like this. We've gone to this beautiful waterfall, and we want to see it, and we want to be in the midst of it, but we don't want to get wet, so we put up a little umbrella and we stand underneath it. That ain't going to stop anything. You're going to get covered in it. You're going to get soaked, and that's like his love towards us, and no matter if we try to stop it, boom. It's like landing on you. like That's the love he has for us. We can't escape it. He pursues us. And what I love about this verse is it's not conditional. Hear this. It's not conditional on our behavior. We are not separated from him when we mess up. In fact, the opposite. He wants us to be aware of his love so that when we do mess up, we run to him and not from him. His love is secure. Third point, God's love is merciful. And this is awesome because guess what? When... When Russ wanted to become a Christian, he didn't say, oh, well, I'm going to become a Christian next week, so what I'll do is I'll have to make sure that I get my anger management issue sorted and get that all squared away and, and you know, make sure all my accounts are in order and, uh, and then I'm ready to get saved. He just came as he was, and so did all of us. We came just as we were. His love is merciful because we were not required to get right before salvation, but salvation makes us right before God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is a beautiful passage because we're not saved just to be tolerated. Hear this, he saves us and then celebrates us which is strange. Hear me out. So we're not just saved and it's like, okay, you made it in, now sit over there and behave yourself. We're welcomed in to salvation. We are then raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places that in the ages to come, he might show off us as an example of his amazing grace. Credible. So he seats us up there and says, look at this. This is an example of my grace, that even Johan could be saved. The riches of his grace. So when we live in this place of experiencing God's love, 
we start to become an experience of God's love to other people. People around us start to experience God's love through us because we're experiencing it. And this is important because in case you haven't noticed, the world is closed to the idea of God loving them. In fact, if you ask people, uh, those who think there might be a God will often say, well, isn't he like he's some sort of angry judge in the sky? You've got to do the right thing. And they have this paradigm of God as this angry judge or distant. But it's the opposite. We get to reveal the true nature of God to the world and let people experience him through us. His love can be trusted. I um, was really struck. Uh, in fact, I've been struck by this passage for, for a while now. And it's, the, it's the passage in Mark of the woman who has the issue of blood. And um, Russ talked about it a couple of weeks ago and, um, and a few months before that as well. And I can't get it out of my head, so you're all going to hear about it too. <laughs> in chapter 5, let's read through it. Um, because this is a great example of God's love. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, and this is an interesting declaration that she made, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Because it's not just a matter of power, he wanted to make sure that there was love there as well, just so you know. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You see, under Levitical law, she was considered unclean, which meant that she, uh, had, she couldn't really go out because everything that she touched was considered unclean. And that everyone who touched what she had touched was considered unclean. You can see that it starts to get, it's like a snowball effect. But like COVID. In fact, we've had a few people just recently who have had COVID. And you know what? They had to stay home. They weren't allowed out. And you might have experienced that as well. In fact, some people have experienced maybe they had to do the seven days quarantine and then someone else in their family got COVID and then they had to do another seven days and they might have been 20 days or something in isolation. Try 12 years. This lady was in isolation, living in quarantine for 12 years. She had spent all her money. She was facing a medical, social and economical death sentence. She wanted to be clean, but the law said no. She wanted to be well, but the doctor's diagnosis said no. She wanted human interaction, but her social situation said no. 
She wanted freedom, but her financial circumstances said no. So out of that place of absolute desperation, she ignored everything that was saying no for the hope of one powerful, life-changing yes. Because we don't find what we need in what the world has to offer. Everything, everything we need for life and fullness is in Jesus. And it's administered by love. So as she touched the hem of his garment, she received her yes. And then Jesus makes this curious statement about faith. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Or live free from what ails you. Now, it's important to note that faith wasn't the healer. Faith positioned her in contact with the healer. And the faith that Jesus commends is not that she believed in something that hasn't happened yet, but she trusted in the one who makes all things possible. So don't have faith for healing. Have faith in the healer. She had faith to ignore what the world says, even at her risk and peril, which is why she was terrified when she was exposed. She had complete surrender to the goodness of Jesus. She was completely 100% vulnerable to the goodness of his love in that moment. She didn't know how he would respond. She knew she wasn't meant to be there. That's why she, she snuck up behind him. She did her best to stay unnoticed, and she was terrified when she was exposed. But let, let me tell you that faith is not an absence of fear. It's choosing to respond to belief in spite of fear. And she put total faith in his love even before listening to the sermon, to know that it was active, secure, and merciful. And then Jesus makes public what she had tried to do in secret because he was making a point to everyone there that we come to Jesus just as we are. We are never so dirty that he is tainted by what we carry. For her blood made her unclean under the law, but by his blood we are washed clean under his grace. Amen? The law says death, but his love says life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I'm just going to read through Psalm 23. If the team could um, make their way back up, that'd be great. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, the world says you don't have enough. You don't have enough time, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough possessions, you don't have enough friends, but the Lord says, I am enough. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The world says you have to strive, work harder, do more, be more, compare to everyone. 
Love says, I give you rest. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The world says we have to be somebody. We have to increase our profile. We have to make sure that we're noticed. Love says, I nurture and grow. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The world says, you are on your own in this life. Look out for yourself. Danger is around every corner. You've only got yourself to rely on. Love says, you are safe with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The world says we are validated by what we achieve. Our value lies on what we can do. Love says, I find favor with you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The world says, what can you do for me? Love says, I welcome you. Thank you, Jesus, that in this moment, in this season, we celebrate that you came down, that you chose to reveal yourself in your fullness, the love that you had for humanity. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And so we thank you. We get to celebrate that in this season, that your love is transformative, Show us how to experience your love, to live in the, in the assurance, in the place of peace, in the rest, knowing we don't have to strive, we just have to live in your love.